when I, when I went away to college, um, I, I was really uh, excited um, to go away. Uh, I was going to, it's a long story. Uh, it's a long, dumb story. I was really dumb in college. How many of you were dumb in college? A couple of you. The rest of you are liars <laughs> or you didn't go to college. Either way, I was really dumb in college. And yeah, I, uh, I ended up dropping out. Uh, somebody told me, you should have just said you took early retirement from college. You know, they didn't pay me to quit college. Um, I had to get two jobs. Uh, but I, I ended up dropping out of college. And I just, I, how many of you have ever just been confronted by your own sinfulness, uh, by your own sins? I mean, you've just been confronted by the sins that you've committed. And, 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 and it's just, it's, it's the reality of your sinfulness hit you uh, on, on some occasion, on some day, uh, and, and, and it just broke your heart. Has that an, a, ever happened to anybody where just your sinfulness just broke your heart? And, and I know for, for me, this has happened in my life twice that I can recall just briefly. Uh, the first time was when I was in college, when I dropped out of college, and I was living life uh, kind of like a prodigal son type thing, a reckless life, wild living uh, down in Sin City, Indiana, Terre Haute, uh, yeah, I, right, right. But I was down in Terre Haute, and, and, and I was just living a sinful life. I was uh, hanging out in bars too much and drinking too much and, and, and messing around, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And, and I knew better. I was raised to, in the church. I was baptized when I was eight years old, and, and I, I knew better. And I just, I, I was determined to live the life of, of, of wild and reckless abandon. And, and, and it was getting the best of me. And I was miserable. I was literally miserable. And I was at the end of my rope. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know where to turn. God was the furthest thing from my mind. And maybe you're there now. Maybe that's where you are today. God is the furthest thing from your mind. But something's missing. Something deep down inside is missing. And so for me, I know that when I, there was one night, it was a rainy night. And I was in my car and I was driving home from work. And I pull up in front of my, my terrible little apartment in Terre Haute. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and I went to turn the radio off, and I accidentally hit the CD player. And in the CD player was a, a CD. This is like 25 years ago, 22 years ago. And um, it was a CD by the group New Song. And it was a song that was queued up to play. And it was called All Around the World. No, no, I'm sorry, not all, it was called From This Moment On. Not the Shania Twain From This Moment On. This hadn't happened yet. But From, from This Moment On. And it's about, here, it's about getting Jesus. Uh, it, it's about becoming a Christian. And, and just how God is going to change your life from this moment on. And <laughs> never forget the, the opening piano strains of that song and what it did to me. I had heard that CD hundreds of times. I had heard that song hundreds of times. But in that moment, on that night, in the midst of the driving rain and in the midst of my, aban my, my reckless abandoned life of, of just wild living, uh, it hit me what I had been doing. And how I had been living. And how it wasn't pleasing to God. And I remember just as I heard those notes start. That the tears just filled my eyes. And I started bawling like a baby in my car. And I'm just, I got my hands on the steering wheel. I'm just holding on to it. And I'm just crying and crying and crying. My body is racked with sobs. And I'm just crying. And, and I'm just saying over and over again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to God that I had sinned in so many ways and I had been running from him and now 
I could feel him welcoming me home. And I could feel him saying, it's okay. You are mine. And I love you. And I'm never going to let you go. There was another time, a few years after that. I was in ministry. I was living in Minnesota. My wife and I were up in Minnesota, and we um, were invited to a sneak preview of the movie The Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ? Many of you have seen it. And, and, and I remember going to see The Passion of the Christ at this sneak preview at Willow Creek Community Church in Barrington, Illinois. And so we go down there to this sneak preview. And the cool thing about the, thing, the, the preview was that uh, Mel Gibson was actually in the house. He was actually there that night. I, I didn't get to meet Mel. Um, but uh, uh, I, did, I did see him. He was on the stage, you know, at, about 150 feet away. Uh, and that's as close as I've ever been to Mel Gibson. Probably the closest I ever want to be to Mel Gibson, but that's a different story. Um, so anyway, uh, we're sitting there watching the movie and this, this depiction, this realistic depiction of flogging and torture and crucifixion. And just, I remember sitting there watching it and thinking to myself over and over again, Jesus did this for me. Jesus did this for me. Jesus took the nails for me. He took the, the beating for me, the scourging for me, the flogging for me. Jesus did this for me. And at, some, at one point, I don't remember what point in the movie it was, but at one point it just became too much. At one point, it was just too overwhelming. And I remember just thinking that Jesus did this for me, and I lost it. And I started crying, and I buried my, my head in my wife's shoulder. And I just, again, my body just racked with sobs, thinking, Jesus did this for me. He suffered, and he died for me. It was my fault. And that's the only thing I could remember thinking, was it was my fault that he went to the cross. It was my fault that he suffered and he died in such terrible ways. It was my fault that the perfect son of God, the sinless son of God, suffered in his body and in his spirit and in his mind and in his soul. He suffered for me. It was my fault. And I just sat there bawling like a baby. As I realized what a sinner I am. And how the, 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 the many sins I've committed and the things that I've said and the things that I've thought and the things that I've done and the people that I've hurt and the ways that I've fallen short. And when I'm confronted, I, let's face it, most of us are just kind of bebopping through life. We're just kind of doing our thing. We're going from day to day, just, you know, same old, same old. And we just kind of bebop through life like it's no big deal. But every once in a while, Every once in a while, we are reminded of the fact that we are flawed, that we have faults, and that we fail. Sometimes it hits us like a ton of bricks. And my question for you today is, when was the last time that you wept over your sinfulness? When was the last time that you were confronted with the fact that we're all sinners? You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. When was the last time you were confronted with that in such a way that it made you realize Jesus died for me? He suffered and he died for me. And it drove you to your knees in repentance and prayer. And it drove your, you to your knees as, as your body cried out in, with tears to God. What have I done? It's all my fault. I think sometimes 
Not sometimes. I think most of the time we take it for granted. We take this, this faith for granted. We take God's grace for granted. We just, like I said, we just kind of bebop through life like no big deal. It is a big deal. Jesus really did suffer, and he really did die for you and for me. And when we realize just what he went through on our behalf, it changes us. And it starts with those tears of repentance. And today I want to talk with you about a parable that Jesus told in a situation, in a setting where someone was confronted with their sinfulness and they came face to face with Jesus. And they realized who he was and what he could do for them. And when we realize who he is and what he does for us, I think we have the same reaction, or we should. And so I want you to grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. If you didn't bring a Bible today, that's all right. You can grab one out of the chair in front of you. You can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 731 of that Bible in the chair in front of you. Or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, if you brought a tablet or a smartphone, you can use Bible Gateway or Version. Both are good apps to use. And, and the, we've been looking at parables of Jesus on Sunday morning. And these are short stories that Jesus told uh, using everyday objects to illustrate big truths and, and to reveal big truths. And so today the big truth is about forgiveness. And it's about God's forgiveness and God's grace. And he tells a really very, very short story in the midst of a greater scene. And this scene is so powerful. And I think it's so amazing what happens in this scene that... It, and we're going to spend bulk of our time on that and not on the parable. Now, just so you have an idea of where we're going over the next couple of months, uh, we're going to do one more parable, and that's next week. And then in September, we're going to start a new series about being committed. Uh, not like committed to a, a facility, but I mean committed to Jesus. Uh, so we're going to talk about being committed and what it means to be fully surrendered and fully devoted to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we're going to do that in September. And then in October, we're going to do a series called The Vow. And so if you're married or if you're getting married, if you're thinking about getting married or if you know married people, if you don't want to be married anymore, uh, this is a great, and you, don't do that. Um, this is a great series. It's going to be a great series on marriage called The Vow. And we want you to come check it out and invite your friends to come. If you know you got friends who are struggling in their marriages, invite them to come and say, you know what, we're going to talk about marriage for a few weeks at GFCC. You should come check it out. We have a, a really cool church. Uh, and, and we do, we do, we have a really cool church. So invite your friends to come and, and check that out in October. And then in November, we're going to talk about our vision that we really, uh, are we ex um, uh, talked about last Sunday night at Unashamed Night. Uh, we talked about our, our new vision for our, our church. Uh, and then in December, we're going to do Christmas. So it'll be here before you know it. I know, snow and all that stuff. Oh, man. But it's August. It's going to be 90 degrees today. So let's celebrate in that. Um, let's turn to Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. I want to look at verses 36 through 39 to begin with. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped his feet with her tears. Oh, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, 
he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, there's some really powerful stuff going on in this little story here, in this scene. Now, we've talked about the Pharisees a bunch this summer, and the Pharisees were a, a sect of the Jewish religion uh, that were more concerned with outward appearances than they were with the inner condition of the heart. They were more concerned with looking good on the outside than they were with being righteous on the inside and being right with God. They were more concerned with how they looked. And so what we have here is a woman who shows up at this party to which Jesus had been invited. Jesus was probably teaching at the synagogue that day. And now this Pharisee named Simon, we come to find out, Simon invites him back to his house. And so Jesus goes back to his house for a banquet, for a feast, for a dinner. And, and he's reclining at the table. Now the way this worked was there would be a table and around it would be couches. And you, your feet would face away from the table and you would recline on this couch on one arm and eat with your other hand. So Jesus is reclining at this table and at the back uh, where his feet are facing away, a woman has come and uninvited guests were common at these banquets, at these, at these dinners. Uh, they would just kind of show up. There's a lot of people around. Nobody knows who else is invited, but the guests of honor would seat around the table. And so this woman shows up, and she's got a jar of expensive perfume, um, and she's pouring it out. Well, before that, she's, she's crying. And she's not just crying, she's weeping, and she is sobbing. And it's not just a few tears rolling down her cheeks, but her eyes are full of tears, and there's so much crying and she's crying so hard that her tears are falling on Jesus's dirty feet and they are washing his feet and she gets down on her knees and she lets down her hair now you got to know this um, that this woman has lived a sinful life in other words she's a sinner and, and what they mean by this is she's probably a prostitute or a, a, a promiscuous woman she's maybe an adulteress uh, she has lived a sinful life and here she is at this party at Jesus's. She's heard that Jesus is there and she's at his feet and just weeping over her sins and weeping in repentance over her sinful condition. And she is, her tears are wetting Jesus's feet and she lets down her hair. Now, it, it, first of all, it's, it's, it's a bad thing for her to even be there because she's got such a reputation. And then she lets down her hair, which was a sign of living a loose life. But she didn't care. She wasn't concerned about the appearance. She wanted to love Jesus. And so she lets down her hair and washes and wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. She dries his feet with her hair. And then she takes this expensive perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet. If this was a perfume known as nard, nard was worth about, uh, a one pound of nard was worth a year's wages. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars of perfume. And this is not any ordinary perfume. This was like the trick of her trade. Like she would, pour, she would put this perfume on herself to seduce men. And here she's using it to anoint Jesus' feet. And then she's kissing his feet. I love the fact that Jesus is a Savior who lets us touch him. That he's not some God up on a pedestal or up on a mountain somewhere that we can't approach and that we can't get next to. But no, Jesus is a, a hands-on Savior. That you can touch him and you can feel him. And he lets this woman, this sinful woman, touch him. And so I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Jesus is waiting for you to come to him. And he is willing for you to come to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to approach him. He wants you to be next to him. He wants you to touch him. It's not a matter of, of you know, Jesus is going to push you away or he's going to reject you or he's going to forsake you or, or tell you that you're not welcome. You're always welcome with Jesus. 
And so he invites you to touch him. And this woman is standing there at Jesus' feet, crying and weeping and washing his feet and, and anointing his feet and kissing his feet. And Simon the Pharisee says, huh, if he was really a prophet, he would know who's touching him. He says to himself under his breath, if he was a prophet, he would know who's touching him. She's lived a sinful life, this sinner. In verse 40, Jesus answered him, says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One, one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So this is the parable right in the middle of the story. And Jesus is going to illustrate a great truth about forgiveness. Now, when it comes to these two guys, they each owe a, a large sum of money to a moneylender. And they don't have the money to pay him back. Their both names could be Sean. Um, but you got the one guy who owes him 50 denarii. Now, a denarii, a denarius, was worth one day's wages. A denarius is worth a day's wage. If you make $50,000 a year, that's about $200 a day when you factor in five work days a week. So about 200 bucks a day. So one guy owes the moneylender $10,000. The other guy owes the moneylender $100,000. $100,000, and he can't afford to pay him back. And what does the moneylender do? He doesn't send Guido over there to break their legs. He forgives the debt. He cancels the debt. He forgives them. And Jesus asks Simon, the Pharisee, who is going to love him more? And he says, well, the one who had the bigger debt canceled. That makes sense, right? And Jesus says, you judged correctly. Keep going, verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, and I want to know what this looks like. If Jesus is facing her, but kind of talking off in the distance like, don't, don't stop paying attention, Simon. I got something to tell you. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. Now, it was customary in those days for a homeowner to have the lowest slave or servant in the house wash the feet of honored guests. He says, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. And again, it was customary for the homeowner to greet honored guests with uh, kisses. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Again, it was customary for honored guests to have their heads anointed with oil. Perhaps you've heard in the 23rd Psalm, if you're familiar with Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. They would anoint the heads of honored guests with oil. Jesus was this man, uh, man's honored guest, but he never uh, put oil on his head. And yet she poured perfume on my feet, much more expensive and valuable. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And there's so much truth to that statement that when you realize just how much you've been forgiven and when you realize what God has done for you and when you realize what Jesus has done for you, 
you are capable of so much more love and forgiveness than you can or than you are if you take it for granted. If you merely take God's grace for granted and say, ah, it's no big deal. God will forgive me. I can do what I want. God will forgive me. I, I, I can steal that thing. God will forgive me. I can cheat on my wife. That's God will forgive me. Uh, I, I, I can cheat on my taxes. God will forgive me. I, God will forgive me. And when we take God's forgiveness and grace for granted, we do not love much. Jesus closes out the parable with this, the story. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests, guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's some implications of this passage I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes. And the first is that you've got to weep over your sins. You've got to weep over your sins. You've got to realize just what Jesus did for you. And you've got to realize what it cost him. Because it cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life. And it cost him pain. And it cost him uh, torture. And, and you've got to weep over your sins. You've got to realize just what Jesus did for you. Because he did it for you. And if you were the only one, if I was the only one, he would have done it just for me. That's the depth of his love. That is the depth of his grace. That is the depth of his sacrifice, that he did it just for you. He did it just for me. It's our fault. We broke the world. We sin against God. We sin against one another. We sin in the things that we say and in the things that we think and the things that we do. We sin all the time. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, in need of forgiveness. And Jesus is willing to forgive us. And so I just want to take a second here and just remind you that we need, that, we need to weep over our sins. We need that, that repentance, that, that weeping of repentance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And we need that godly sorrow within us that says, I am sorry for the sins that I have committed. That we don't just gloss over them. We don't just glide past them. We don't just say, oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It cost Jesus his life. But because he gave his life, he gives us the opportunity for forgiveness and eternal life. That if we will believe in Jesus Christ and repent from our sins with that godly sorrow, if we will confess our faith and get baptized, God will wash away our sins. In that moment, God cleanses us and purifies us and, and, and washes us clean in the blood of Jesus. And that gift can be yours. It starts with godly sorrow that brings repentance. Will you weep over your sins? Uh, the second thing that I think, the second implication of this passage is, is that we need to make a sacrifice for Jesus. You need to make a sacrifice for Jesus. This woman sacrificed her possession, her, her most valuable possession, this perfume worth possibly tens of thousands of dollars. She was willing to sacrifice it for Jesus. She sacrificed her dignity for Jesus. She sacrificed custom for Jesus. She sacrificed propriety for Jesus. She sacrificed it for him because she loved him. What are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? We talk a lot about time, talent, and treasure here. 
That Are you willing to sacrifice your time for Jesus, to get involved in a, in a thing like we did yesterday, the giveaway garage sale? Are you willing to sacrifice your time for Jesus by serving him here at GFCC uh, or serving him in our community uh, with, along with GFCC? And maybe that looks like you serving in a, in a children's ministry. If you can teach or watch kids, maybe you can serve in our children's ministry. Or if you want to serve in our worship ministry, if you can carry a tune, and, and by that I mean you can really sing. Uh, if you can, I can't. That's why I do this. I talk, but I don't sing. If you, if we, if you can push a space bar or, or, or run a, an iPad, maybe you can help with the sound or the, the screen. Uh, if you can, um, uh, if you're a friendly face, and some of you got some friendly faces, some of you need to show that you have a friendly face. Some of you need to smile a little bit more. But if you can smile and make people feel welcome, help us start a, a, a rocking hospitality ministry to get people welcomed when they come in. There's ways to get involved that you can use your time and sacrifice your time for Jesus or sacrifice your talent for Jesus by getting involved in, in some way to, to get involved and do something for Jesus. Not to earn his favor or earn his salvation because you can't but as a way of saying thank you for what he's done for you or sacrifice your treasure we had so many people give up so much of their resources for the giveaway garage sale yesterday it was fantastic this place was packed with clothing and diapers and canned goods for people uh, who needed it and, and how are you sacrificing of your treasure for jesus are you giving of your tithes and offerings on a regular basis to, to further the work of, of the kingdom, to further the work of GFCC, the things that we're doing to, to help people follow Jesus? Are you giving sacrificially for Jesus? You've got to make a sacrifice for Jesus, like this woman sacrificed her perfume for his feet. What are you willing to lay down at the feet of Jesus? Finally, the, the last implication is you've got to love and forgive much. You've got to love and forgive much because you have been loved and forgiven much you have whether you realize it or not you have been loved much and forgiven much and, and, and C.S. Lewis said this he said to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you let me read that one more time look at that to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you that we have been forgiven much and we have been loved much therefore we should love each other much and forgive each other much in Ephesians 4.32 Paul wrote be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you you have been loved much you have been forgiven much therefore you should love much and forgive much now I'm not telling you that's easy I'm not going to tell you that it's easy to have a frozen moment and let it go it's not it's hard to forgive that's probably the hardest thing to talk about as a pastor someone would say oh it's got to be giving right it's got to be money no that's easy to talk about God owns everything but telling people who've been hurt hurt by their family members hurt by a spouse hurt by friends hurt by enemies telling people who have been hurt time and time again that you've got to forgive and you've got to love that's the hardest thing I do and it's hard for me for people who've hurt me to turn the other cheek and say I'm not going to hold it against you that I'm going to let it go and I'm going to love you and I'm going to forgive you 
that's not easy. But we who have been loved much and have been forgiven much need to love much and forgive much. And when we do that, we will look a lot more like Jesus because Jesus loved much and Jesus forgave much. And he has forgiven the inexcusable in us. So let us forgive the inexcusable in others that we may look more like Jesus.